1: The TCU women's soccer team is number six in the country. They are undefeated. They are scoring a lot of goals and not giving up many goals. They are led by Eric Bell, What a story he is out of college, he had all kinds of crazy sales jobs, he was dying to coach, he got an opportunity with his former teammate from Worcester at Ashland College and off he goes from there, spending time with Janet Rayfield at Illinois and Mark Ricorian at Florida State, now in his 10th year at TCU, they are a regular in the NCAA tournament and folks, mark it down, this team could win the national championship. Their head coach is Eric Bell and he joins me after this message from the ECNL.
0: As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country with a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean.
1: This is Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Dean Linky flying solo today with Eric Bell, the 10th year top man for the TCU Horned Frogs women's soccer team. They are a dominant franchise coming off an amazing year, several amazing years as Eric Bell has made putting TCU into the NCAA tournament a matter of fact, just as he promised he would do. Eric Bell joins me now. Eric, welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast.
2: Dean, nice to see you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, just saw you on Sunday, of course, uh, as you beat the Ohio State Buckeyes on the Big Ten Network. Let's reflect on that game for a second. It was kind of neat for you. You're from Ohio, to be back in the state of Ohio,
2: but also neat that you got a nice 4-1 win. Yeah, I think that's probably the most important part, right? It's nice to see family and friends, but we were there to get a result, and Result we got not the most uh, entertaining first half as it was more of a chess match than anything else. And then I think we were able to make some adjustments at the half and come out figure some things out and play a little bit more behind them because their back line was pretty high. They really did a good job of compacting the space in front of the back line and we made it hard for us to to play in front of them. So we're pretty athletic up top and we're able to figure out some ways to get those athletes uh, the ball and they were able to do their thing.
1: In a moment, we're going to walk through your journey, but right here, right now, you have TCU looking like a team that could win a national championship can you explain to people what's going on in TCU and what kind of soccer you're playing at TCU in case they don't know because it's pretty impressive
2: thank you we try to knock the ball around when we want to value the ball we pass the ball a lot and we probably average around a little over 500 passes a game obviously it's a possession with the purpose and we want to score goals through our possession And we've been able to do that without giving up a whole lot of goals as well. We've only given up, I want to say, three in our seven games. And we've scored like 22, 24, something like that. So I think from that standpoint, we're in a good spot. And that's where we're at right now. We're able to knock the ball around with the best teams in the country and win some games in the process of doing it.
1: Coming off a strange year because of the pandemic, but yet a great year for your program, taking t- down the regular season title and getting ready for the
2: NCAA tournament. Can you walk us through how you managed last year? Last year was really hard. I thought that going into it, we thought as a staff, we needed everybody on board. What I mean by that is family included. And so prior to the season last summer, we had a big team Zoom call with not only players, but their family members, spoke with them about you know, we needed everyone to be on the same page. And I know the COVID protocols are really stringent, but we needed the parents to be on board with those as well. Thankfully, throughout the course of last season, we did not have one positive COVID case throughout the course of the season. So that was major. And I think that helped us. We only played one game a week. I think also helped us focus in on the teams that we needed to play that were that we're going to play. We were able to get into a nice little rhythm one game a week and we're able to win more than we lost.
1: So Eric, because of your youthful good looks, it's hard to believe that you spent uh, a lot of time at Illinois with Janet Rayfield and then more time with Mark Krikorian, two of the legends of the game in so many ways. And now in your 10th year at TCU. So like I said, you probably started when you were 12, but <laughs> can, you, can you talk about what you learned from both of those coaches?
2: If anyone tells you that Janet Rayfield is a bad person, probably you need to strike them because oh, yeah. I think she's probably one of the most genuine people in the world and a great mentor to me. And I learned a lot, you know, about how to build a team there. And um, I had some great years there. I think with Mark, uh, obviously, having been with him more recently, his attention to detail is second to none. And his player management is second to none. And I think those are the things that I take away. I took away from both those great people as I, as I look to uh, run my own program here at TCU.
1: As you break down your bio, one of the words that comes up around Illinois and Florida State, and that would probably obvious around TCU, but now that you're the head coach, you probably have other people helping you with this. But one key word is recruiting. And uh, this is Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. So I'm assuming the ECNL was an important part of that. We'll get to that in the next segment. But what is it about recruiting? Sometimes for people, it's like, ah, recruiting. Other people, it's like, yes, recruiting. I feel like it's the latter for you what was it about recruiting that you knew you had a special quality a special talent to to handle that big job
2: I don't know I, I do enjoy it and it is a it is a fun game I think not to toot my own horn I think I have a pretty good idea of talent identification I think that's you know I think anybody can do that right and you can walk onto a field and say oh this kid's pretty good but the hard part is then obviously getting them on campus and getting them excited about the university that you're where you're working and I think over the course of time, I've been able to do that at a pretty high level. Fortunate enough to be able to have, I have a, a sales background, <laughs> so I think that helps me. But I'm not a salesman. It's more of um, I'm more matter of fact, and I show them what you know we have the offer here at TCU, and you know I think that everyone that comes here on campus at the end of the day they're going to like the school. More importantly, probably love it. Then it just becomes a matter of um, if it's the, if it's the best fit for them. And, you know, hopefully we've done our due diligence in in vetting out these kids prior to them coming here to where we think it's probably going to be the best fit for them. And typically it works out for us.
1: Tell me a little bit about that sales background. Did you do sales right out of college or when did you do a little bit of sales?
2: I did. I did. My first job out of college, I sold copiers. And uh, it was the hardest job that I've ever had to this day. I did that for a year and I sucked at it, but I learned a lot. And then I got into selling health club memberships at Bally's and uh, Bally's Soul Fitness. And I did that for about a year. And then I saw, I'm, I'm going to date myself here, uh, but I sold long distance for WorldCom um, after that uh, to businesses. And then um, I sold steel for a company called Ryerson Steel for a year. And then I got, in, I got into coaching in 97 and been fortunate enough to be able to, to be in this business since then.
1: What was that first coaching move in 97? Where was that, Eric Bell? So
2: that was uh, at a D- division two school in Ohio called Ashland university uh, with my good friend, Brad Evans, who I went to Worcester with uh, back in the, uh, the 1900s. We were both uh, college teammates at the college of Worcester uh, division three program in Ohio and best friends. He was in my wedding. I was in his wedding and, he uh, got into coaching and in, I want to say ninety-five and as an assistant coach at Ashland, where we he coached both the men and the women. And then in ninety seven they hired him as the head coach and he knew that I wanted to be back in the game. And he called you know, you. He called yeah. me up. <laughs> he called yeah. me up, and I was like, Yep, I'm coming. Yeah,
1: he well, he probably heard the stories about hey, I'm doing steel now and I'm doing yeah. long distance and I'm doing all that. You yeah. probably were he probably remembered all that and said, you all know right. what, the minute I get a chance, I'm gonna bring Eric Bell in, right?
2: Right, for sure. There's something about Ohio that brings you back, too, right? At least for a little bit. Sure. And it was home, and I was in Ohio. I was living in Minnesota. You know, it was good to be back home for those three years, and then I moved on and to uh, Indiana University of Pennsylvania for a year as a head man, and then I left and went to the University of Minnesota, then to Illinois and Florida State, and now here to, to
1: TCU. That's right. I forgot. So Minnesota. Remind me who
2: the coach was at Minnesota you were working with. Barbara Wickstrand. I was there for a year. And then we left and went to Champaign to work with Janet. I was there for four years. And then Tallahassee and then Tallahassee to TCU. Is that right? Correct. Tallahassee for six years. And now we've been here. This is the 10th season. So we've been here nine years here in Fort Worth. All right. That's
1: a snapshot of the bio of Eric Bell. We promised to talk about recruiting and perhaps how the ECNL also changed the game. We'll be back with more Eric Bell on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast.
0: From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade. The studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
1: Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We are with Eric Bell in his 10th year as the head coach at TCU, doing such an amazing job, turning a ton of heads, and legitimately has a team that could challenge for a national championship. And Eric, one of the reasons I feel like I can say that is, I live in Chapel Hill. I call a lot of UNC games. I see Anson Dorrance subbing a lot, and I don't know if you're going to keep doing it, but the fact that you played 27 players, the fact that you had this great freshman class with 11 freshmen that have already played, the fact that you can take out three superstars up top and bring three players back in that actually won the game for you against Ohio State, or at least did a lot of the the goal scoring, Makes me believe that you contend with those teams that can sub a ton. Even Mark Riccorio doesn't sub as much, but he subs. His subs matter, right? So you you get that. Just talk a little bit about the depth right now. I mean, twenty seven players you have played, and all eleven freshmen.
2: Right. Well, obviously, the the way that the, the college season is set up, it's a it's a sprint, but it's also a marathon at the same time. And so you have to be able, if you want to be able to compete at the highest level, you want you have to have depth. Um, in order to do that, you just can't rely on your top 13, 14 kids. You'll know, wear them out real fast. And so, we've been fortunate enough, from a recruiting standpoint, to bring in some very talented young ladies. And I think that um, our freshman class, in particular, you know, I, I thought they were going to be pretty good, but uh, I didn't know what type of—you never know what type of impact they're going to have. But they walked in the door and it had an immediate impact on what we're trying to do. And you see that on the stat sheet. Some of these kids coming off the bench are really doing a really good job.
1: Yeah. And you know, they are, they're, they're putting up points as well. And one of the other things that uh, I chuckled at when you said is like, you know, Hey, they got big personalities, they got big talent and they want to play. So I got to make them happy too. Sometimes you don't hear coaches say that, but clearly that's part of the psyche. If they're good enough, you want to keep
2: them happy, right? for sure. I mean, they've earned the right to play. And we as coaches have to figure out a way to, to to keep everybody as happy as best we can, but also more importantly, obviously, you know, winning soccer games. And uh, I think we're so far, we found the formula that's working and we're going to continue with that formula. until it doesn't work anymore. But I think that, you know, one of the things that we work on is our, is our culture and our chemistry. I think that's important. And I think that, you know, right now, it's a fun group to be around and obviously it's more fun when you win, but I think even if we weren't as successful as we are, we'd still enjoy being with each other. And I think that's part of our culture and how we want to do our business moving forward.
1: So uh, because we're talking about the 11 freshmen, but this could reflect on the rest of the team and even your prior teams, because you've been there now 10 years and you spent that time at Florida State and Illinois. But of those 11 freshmen, do you know how many of them played in the ECNL of
2: those 11? I'm assuming it's more than half. Yeah, for sure. Probably just about all of them. I don't know (laughs) off the top of my head. I'd have to look at my board. I don't want to stunt the program, but I would say more than that for sure.
1: And what is it about the ECNL? I mean, you were back, you know, Christian Labors who wanted to, to try to join us but couldn't join us, but he did say, he's like, I remember actually Eric Bell showing up for ID programs as well. And I then I remember him playing in the games and he was so cool. There'd be some crazy people running around one of the two feet people and he would just kind of stay away from that and, and have a good time. But obviously you've been around the ECNL for a long time. You've seen for them sure. adapt and change. What are your thoughts
2: on the league? Well, I thought, you know, back in the USYS days, it, it, you, you go to these different tournaments and as a, from a college perspective, you know, you'd go and you go see a, a team player, a couple of kids play on a certain team and they would only have one big game. And you're like, man, you traveled and you say you traveled from, I don't know, Illinois to Phoenix for an event. Right. And you want to go evaluate this kid. And of the three games that she played, two of them were blowouts. And the other game was on the last game of the tournament and she was tired. And so you really couldn't get a good gauge of where the kids were. Um, and so I, we were, as college coaches, we were really pleased that they developed the ECNL because it was like, all right, we're going to get the top programs, top clubs around the country. We're going to put them together and they're going to compete. And so every game was going to be a good game really pleased with the you know, development of, of, the, uh, of the league and how they progressed and developed players. And obviously you see a lot more games that are meaningful um, and they're more competitive. So we can, as, as, as college coaches, uh, evaluate a little bit better.
1: And I think also because of their leadership and their structure, and I'll use that word again, their ability to adapt and change and evolve over the years, I think has made it better for people like you and all the college coaches, because not only are you seeing these players, like you just said, play in three good games instead of one, you're also seeing an event
2: that is run smoothly, right? I mean, it is run like a professional level event. For sure. And uh, from the apps to, you know, the emails that we get, um, I, think, I think they do a tremendous job with the scheduling and making it easy for the college coaches to get around um, and see teams play. And uh, they really do, do a good job of taking care of us, whether it be you know, the, the the books or the food that they give us throughout the course of the day and the snacks that they have available and water and other uh, beverages to keep us hydrated. I think all those things go into play for us to be able to go in these uh, events and, and be successful.
1: Way, way, way back in the day before you broke into coaching, it would be, college coaches talking to high school coaches because the youth leagues weren't developed, especially from your home state, Ohio. They weren't developed at all. Now they're amazing, you know? I mean, they're on par with any state in the country, almost, when you think about the way Ohio's developed. Uh, We know all about the Texas system. I love the fact that you have a ton of Texas players on there, and it may not all just be ECNL, but the youth system is different. Can you talk about the dialogue that you and your staff have with the ECNL coaches? Because the way I understand it is they get it. They know what you kind
2: of want to hear. Yeah. And obviously I've been around the block for a long time. And so we've, you know, established, I've established relationships with club coaches around the country that are 10, 20 years old. And so I can call up a lot of these people and kind of reminisce. We've either done a license together, A, B, or C, or we worked ODP camp together back in the day in at the, in DeKalb, Illinois, and we played, you know, coach staff games with those guys and so really good relationships and i can call a lot of these these guys anytime i want and, and really get a really good picture of where this the young ladies are that we're asking about um as as it pertains to if they can fit into what we're trying to do and you know how committed are they and you know family and all those other things that kind of go into it um, we can get the inside scoop on these young ladies and make sure it's a good fit
1: Tell me about the process of the diamond in the rough. So even if it's a big-time event where you're showing up and you're right, everything's structured and the app's working and you got all the good snacks and you're out there to look at player A, maybe it's a Yasmeen Ryan, but everybody's kind of looking at her or maybe she fits into this category, but then all of a sudden you notice a diamond in the rough. How do, how do you attack that? I guess I don't want you to give away your secrets, but those are important players, right? Uh, on yeah, your
2: I think it's all luck. You know, Yas Yas was a, a diamond in the rough. Okay. Um, she came from Norman, Oklahoma, and I was at an event, and I wasn't even looking. I wasn't even. She wasn't even on my list of players to watch. I was just going from one field to the other to another field, and in, in between time, I just happened to walk by her field, and I stopped <laughs> and watched her whole game, and then went. Emily's beeline straight for their coach, or for her coach, and like, who the heck is this kid? But I didn't. I didn't know her from anybody, and got lucky and got her on campus, and I think the rest is history. But you know, that's how it was. she was definitely a diamond in the row. That
1: is awesome. We're here with Eric Bell, the top man for the TCU horn Frogs women's soccer team. They were number six. Uh, I'm not sure if any of the top five lost any games, but they're going to keep climbing and keep winning. They're undefeated and not giving up many goals. We're going to take one more break and be back to wrap up this week's Breaking the Line ECNL podcast with Eric Bell, the top man for the TCU. Horn Frogs Women's
0: Soccer Team. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world, the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot, the Ultra. The only boot engineered for speed, the Ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion, speed and acceleration. It's the best in the game, designed for the best players in the game.
1: Final segment of this week's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. So pleased to be joined by Eric Bell, now in his 10th year as the head coach of TCU. They are undefeated to start the season. I just saw them on Sunday beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. Had the great honor of calling their games in the NCAA tournament, including that penalty kick winner over Virginia last year. Uh, Run back real quick to the NCAA tournament. How was that being in North Carolina that entire time,
2: coach? Given the, the circumstances that we were in, I thought the NCAA did did the best job that they possibly could and, you know, put us in this, uh, this bubble um, where we're playing here every four days. And for the most part, I thought they did a really good job. It was hard, you know, having to go through all these different protocols with the testing and whatnot and still trying to stay mentally and physically fit in order to play these big time games that meant a lot. And so, you know, hats off to the NCAA hats off to all the student athletes, staff, coaches, medical staff, more importantly, Uh, for being able to pull that off and um, you know it was fun it was fun it was fun it was as fun as you could possibly make it uh, given the circumstances. Because your
1: story is so awesome with all those sales jobs and then it's always good to know somebody they knew that you wanted to coach they get you that job but it was coaching women how much experience had you had coaching women before taking that job at Ashland?
2: None we we coached both the men and the women there Uh, to be fair you know my my I was there for three years right And we coached the men and the women all three years that I was there. Um, And I got kind of burnt out, to be fair. If you can imagine like the preseason, instead of two practices, we had four practices a day. And then during the course of the regular season, we had two practices a day. Plus when we played, it was double headers. Top of that, I I was coaching a club team on the side to make ends meet. So I traveled to Cleveland, drive an hour, practice for an hour and a half, and drive back an hour to get back to Ashland. And then in the summertime, I wasn't I wasn't making any money and I wasn't on contract. And so I had. I was <laughs> I was working anybody and everybody's club, camp throughout the course of the summer. Um, and so I got burnt out. And so this opportunity happened where I was able to go and be the head coach at IUP in Pennsylvania. And I took it and I was on the women's side. I've just been on the women's side ever since.
1: What is it you enjoy most about coaching women? Because not to be a sycophant, but I just get the sense from watching you and having that game against Ohio State and then seeing you at the NCAA tournament up close and personal that they really enjoy you. And they they that I can tell that they're really
2: playing for you. What is it about coaching the women that you like so much? Well, I think that there's a, there's a couple of things. I think its it's easier for them to come together. You know, with guys, it's always about, you know, show me first. And with women, it's more about all right. I hear you. We, we'll, we'll try this and see what happens. Um, I think that um, it's fun. They're fun to be around from a, a camaraderie standpoint. I think they're more apt to listen initially, as opposed to guys. Again, with you know, guys are like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna test this guy to see if he's really what he thinks and who he thinks he is. And I think with women, I think they're more apt to trust uh, right off the bat. And so we have really good relationships with our players, and uh, we have fun and. We, we, we get serious as well when we have to, and I you know, really enjoy our team right now. We're in a really good spot.
1: I also think with women, and I think the ECNL, granted, this is the ECNL podcast, so of course there's going to be that slant, but I do feel like with the way the ECNL has developed over the years, it's made college soccer you know, with so much parity, where TCU can win a national championship, right? Santa Clara, after 20-some years, can come back and win another one. It's not the same old teams anymore,
2: and I feel like the way the ECNL has developed these players, that's why the talent pool is definitely larger than it used to be back in the day when Anson was taking all the top kids and there wasn't anybody else left to pay. Um, the, the talent pool is much larger and you, know, you can have a school like us or, you know, uh, Santa Clara or Georgetown uh, have opportunities to, to compete for national championships on a given year based on the talent pool and obviously the coaching and whatnot.
1: And now with NWSL there, and of course, Yasmeen Ryan being the highest draft pick in TCU history, there's going to be more Horned Frogs going to the next level. How does that play into when you're bringing an athlete there? You can now say, hey, you know, get your degree, but you also can go to the next level. Do you talk about that much, Coach? Oh, for sure,
2: for sure. And I think that, um, you know, as we've gotten better, we've obviously attracted a different level of student athlete that, you know, has aspirations to play after they get out of school. And so, they yeah, were able to address that. You know, showing the travels of someone like Ryan Williams, who's at Carolina Courage, or Yasmeen Ryan, who was the sixth pick in the draft this past year. And our hope is that there will be more to come. And obviously, we can can showcase those types of things with uh, incoming recruits.
1: One of the things that we often talk about, and you hear it a lot uh, as more women become coaches, is if you can see it, you can be it. We're also talking more about that with African-American coaches. And then I look at the diversity of your team. I mean, your team has a lot of white players, a lot of black players. I mean, it's very diverse. And I think because of that, they play really attractive soccer. But how important was that to you, or did that never matter?
2: No, no, no. It's important to me. I mean, I think that um, diversity is important. I think that for the for the biggest reason to me is like I think college is an opportunity to really find yourself but also to learn right and I think that um, the more diverse we can have our environment um, the more people see different things right and um, see things see cultures uh, hear stories about people's experiences I think those are very healthy and I think that uh, broadens people's horizons as far as how they look at the world and our country and so um, having a diverse team is very important to me. and Obviously, it's, it's a little bit challenging, but, you know, it's important, and we're going to try to be as diverse as we possibly can.
1: As the world looks in at TCU, remind everybody where TCU is located and
2: what makes it so special. Well, I think that, well, it's in Fort Worth, Texas, which is part of the Metroplex Dallas-Fort Worth. You fly right into the, the DFW airport, and we're 20 minutes away from the airport. You get the best of both worlds here, right? You get this... Uh, Big time athletic component. We're the, only, we're the the second to the smallest Power Five school. Small school is is Wake Forest, and we're the next to small. So we have ten thousand students on campus, but you have this huge athletic component with the football and the basketball and all these other sports, baseball included, um, that have done very well over the course of time. But then you get into the academic part of it. Well, it's a very intimate setting, right? You're not just a number. You're a student, and people are going to know if you're in class, or you're not in class. The academics are rigorous. It's not easy. So uh, you're going to get a very good education after you leave here. And obviously with the athletic component, it's huge. On you know, game days here for football, it's just like it is at Ohio State or OU or Texas and some of these other schools. It's in the, the, the campus is mob. Um, and so I think you get the best of both worlds if that's what you're looking for.
1: So if I were to ask your beautiful wife, April, and your kids, Melina and Cameron, about living and working at TCU, what would they say about the area?
2: Well, I think they love the climate. I think that, um, you know, Fort Worth offers us an opportunity to do a lot of things socially, whether it be restaurants, different sporting events, concerts. I'm big into concerts. And so having the opportunity to go and see live music is huge for me and our family. So those are things that this, this this place offers us and a lot of things to do here as we wrap up our time here just a couple more questions Tell us your goals
1: for this year as you put them up on the board I'm assuming it is to win the big 12 regular season. Do you guys do a tournament in the big 12 too
2: We do we do and yeah, we do a big 12 tournament and last year we didn't have it and so we're looking forward to having it again this year and obviously we want to take one game at a time Dean I think that you know our overarching goal is to compete to win national championships. In the meantime, before that, we want to win this regular season. We want to win the the conference uh, tournament. Um, But more importantly, we want to win the next game. And the next game is against Pepperdine. We want to win that game. And then we'll take a look at whoever. I think conference play starts after that. And so obviously the stakes are a little bit higher. So we were just focused on beating Pepperdine at the moment. So
1: as you're doing that, you still have an eye on the future. So you're starting to look at the juniors uh, this year playing ECNL. And then of course, wrapping up that, that senior class. I mean, there's always that eye forward, right? When is that going on even like right now while you're sitting there? Okay.
2: Tell me about that. For For sure. We're always talking about recruits. We're always talking about, you know, whether it be transfers and looking at kids coming in at semester. Uh, graduating a semester early looking at you know incoming kids when they come in the fall it's it's a it's constant conversation we're like you know general manager of, of, of a professional team and you know how we are going to figure it all out but it's it's ever changing and um, it's fun it's challenging and but that's the that's at the end of the day you know i'm sure you've heard this saying it's, it's not about the x's and the o's it's about the jimmies and the joes there you go <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have to have the Jimmys and the Joes here to uh, to be successful.
1: All right. Final two questions. I want to have a little fun. I teased this earlier, but, you know, okay. Christian Labors has such fond memories of, you know, seeing you at ID camp and then watching your style. And he's like, he's yeah. such a cool cat. Nothing rattles him. And then we get in these staff games and we have this guy, Corbin or somebody, running around two-footing everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay. He, he definitely admired how you kind of just stepped away from that,
2: just kind of stayed in your zone. That's right. how you have always carried yourself, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a, back in the day, I used to be a bit of a trash talker, uh, <laughs> but uh, not so much anymore, but yeah, competing is fun. It's fun. And uh, whether it be, you know, soccer, basketball, football, as a kid growing up in Akron, it was always fun to, to compete. And so, I enjoy that that aspect of my life that I still have an opportunity to compete on a really regular basis. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty calm, laid back until you roll a ball out, and if I'm playing it, it becomes very personal and competitive for sure. All right, final
1: question: When you hear these four letters, just tell me what it means to you, particularly in what you do there at
2: TCU. And the four letters are simply ECNL. Well, I think it's um, it's organization. I think it's preparation. I think it's um, you know leadership. Those are the words that I I think about. And and then it's a a class act. Really happy for those guys and proud of those guys for what they've done over the course of time. And they've developed some very good uh, players over the course of time that are in our international team system right now. And I'm sure they'll continue to do that. But we're really proud of the work that they've done and the development that they've done over the course of time for players. And we're looking forward to recruiting more and more of their players as we move forward. I know
1: I speak for them when I say they're also super proud of you and what you're doing there at TCU, Eric Bell. Congratulations! Good luck the rest of the season. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for being our featured guest on
2: Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Happy to help and happy to um, to speak with you whenever.
1: And I'm always happy to speak with Eric Bell. What a big time talent! His TCU women's soccer team is a big time program. Keep your eye on the Horn Frogs women's soccer team want to thank all the great people at the ecnl including andrea wheeler and jacob born as well as christian labors jen winnegal jason cutney and the entire crew want to thank our producer colin thrash for each and every one of them and all of you i'm dean linky we'll see you in two weeks for another edition of breaking the line the ecnl podcast
0: thanks for listening to breaking the line the ecnl podcast for more information on the ecnl visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info@theecnl.com. Breaking the line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.